Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello my friend and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. I'm Don Harris. Glad to have you on board as we kind of walk through the words of Jesus, get a little red ink on our feet, let it soak up into your bloodstream. You, pretty soon, I bet it's already starting to happen to you, that um, as you get to know the Savior, like we're getting to know Him, uh, you start to think like He thought. Buddy, when that happens, you know, what's happening to you in, in, uh, in scriptural parlance? You're receiving and walking in and living in the mind of Christ, thinking red ink. All right, uh, we are still in chapter 54, a rather large chapter in our little book, The Words of Jesus, and he's talking about Jesus proclaiming uh, the light of the world. Jesus spoke, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The light of life is, a, is a, a, a pretty significant statement. Jesus used the term to walk in darkness. Um, he said that if you walk in darkness, you're going to stumble. Now, I know that in the uh, modern idea of Christianity, we have tried to erase this problem by saying that well, we all stumble. We all sin. We sin every day. Can't keep the commandments, you know, and that, you know, His mercy endures forever and we can get forgiveness and these kind of things, which are all, you know, have, have value in themselves. But uh, it's not Jesus' intention for us to walk in darkness and continually stumble. The idea is to walk in light so that, uh, that we do know our footsteps. We know where we're going. We know what's going on. And we don't stumble over things. We don't have these um, rocks of offense that cause us to fall on our face from time to time. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Remember he said his, his uh, three-part um, advice to us was, one, to deny yourself, two, to take up your cross and follow him, uh, or two and three, is to take up the cross and follow him. And he's saying that if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. Now, I know that as, as you read your scriptures, I used to like to ask um, people, uh, does the Bible say that Jesus is the light of the world, or does it say that you are the light of the world? Well, the answer to the question is both. <laughs> um, and we are the light to the world. Jesus is the light to us. Now, when he says that he's the light of this world, he is the light in this world. He is the light by which we, as Christians, ought to live so that we don't walk in darkness. The Bible is very clear that the world is in darkness. They are in darkness. And um, the only way that they are ever going to receive any light 
is by Jesus Christ who is the light of the world and they are brought to that light by us who are the light of the world as well. It's not as uh, it, it's not a contradiction. It's not uh, really uh, as uh, as difficult to understand as you might think. There is such a thing as the light of the world. There is such a thing as a guiding light in this world. And um, the, the fact of the matter is, is that the world has no relationship with the light of the world. The only thing they have a relationship with is you. This is why uh, that, that true and honest New Testament scriptural witnessing is not us going out and telling people that they're living in darkness and that, uh, that they need to come to Jesus and asking them questions about their eternal home or their eternal existence or how they plan on uh, going to heaven when they die. The, the, the scriptural method of witnessing is to give an answer to those who ask of the hope that is within us. Now that hope is that light. They see the light in you. They know that it's different, and they ask. You say, well, you know, nobody really asks me. Well, what do I need to tell you? And I'm afraid it's not good news, my friend. Are you really thinking that you can live in a world that has the problems that this world has, and you don't look any different than anybody else in this world? There's no one that is asking you about the hope that is, in, that is in you. That's kind of a dangerous situation, isn't it? I mean, for you, it's a hopeless one for them because, you know, if, if you know, the, the Apostle Paul asks the question, you know, how, how are they going to, how's the world ever going to have any hope? How are they ever going to come to this knowledge without you being sent as a preacher? How should they preach except they be sent? And so until we become those preachers who have the ability to answer the question, not, not pose a question, but to answer the question, and that is about the hope that is within us. So we're the light of the world. We're the light of the lost world. Jesus is our light. That's the difference in the two. Uh, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees accused him, saying, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Now, what did they mean by this? The Old Testament was not only a, um, a religious book. Uh, to the Jew, it also held uh, the societal values and laws by which a nation should be run. Um, I know that, um, you know, that it's, it's very un-PC today to insist that uh, social order can be derived from the scriptures, and I am not a theocrat. I just happen to believe that uh, when God established the, 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 uh, uh, Israel, that he gave them certain laws by which they should live. The Jews understood this perfectly. And there are certain uh, laws of, of adjudication, of deciding whether or not somebody had done something wrong, 
uh, the testimony of two or three witnesses, these kinds of things. Um, there were derivatives of these laws that it became axiomatic to the Jew who would make a statement such as, you bear record of yourself. Therefore, your record is not true. Why is that? Well, because the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. You can say you're the Messiah, but we have no reason to believe you whatsoever because you bear witness of yourself. Therefore, we're off the hook here. We don't have to believe what you're saying. Jesus replied, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. Look at this just a moment. If someone accuses you of doing something wrong, according to the Jewish law, you are to have two or three witnesses that witnessed that wrong being done coming to the gates of the city, to the courts, to the elders, reporting that, and that person perhaps will stand a trial there, and the witnesses will come forth and witness against him. By the way, this is what the commandment means when it says, Thou shalt not bear false witness. I know your mom probably told you. <laughs> probably good advice, but it's, it's not theologically correct. Uh, that thou shalt not bear false witness, and I've even heard it translated this way, uh, is thou shalt not lie. Um, but that is not what it is saying at all. Um, it's, it's not good to lie. The, the New Testament says, lie not one to another. Speak man, you, every, every man should speak truth with his neighbor. It's, it's very obvious that we shouldn't lie to each other, but it's not the commandment. The commandment is according to this, what we're, what we're talking about now. And that is that the old covenant, the old, the old Testament, some people call it, um, is, um, is very clear that there should be two or three witnesses. And he's saying that those witnesses, if they witness against someone or for someone, and they do so falsely, they've not only violated a commandment against their their neighbor, their friend, their family, whoever it happens to be that they're witnessing against, but they're actually committing perjury, uh, which we call perjury today, which means to lie under oath. And uh, when it says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, you have to understand that when God considers you to be a part of Israel, you're already under oath. You're, you're already under oath to speak the truth. And uh, it's one of my arguments with our judicial system that demands that you swear that you're going to tell the truth. Look, I'm Christian. I've already sworn. I'm, I'm sworn in, as you say. Uh, and uh, therefore, to swear that I'm going to tell the truth is actually um, kind of an admission that uh, in most cases I lie. In most cases, I, what I say is not necessarily true. But today, I'm going to tell the truth. Well, no, we are to tell the truth all the time. And in order to uh, establish what is true that's coming out of a person's mouth, the Old Testament was clear. One uh, was not enough. Two or three witnesses, that'll do it. Well, what about this singular witness? They're saying that you're only a singular witness, therefore the, uh, your record, what you're bearing record of yourself, 
and it's just simply not true. Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, Jesus says. Oh, I wanted to tell you that if you swear to, if you have one witness that, is, that, that witnesses that something is true, if what he's witnessing to is indeed, was indeed a fact, and it is true, just because it's one person saying it does not mean that it's not true. It just means that you can't adjudicate someone uh, based upon that testimony. You can't judge a person whether, whether or not they're right or wrong or in or out or whatever the, the decision is going to determine. You can't do that by one person. It doesn't mean that what they're saying is not true. However, the Pharisees took this situation and, uh, and were, were trying to say that because you bear witness to yourself, your witness is not true. Jesus replied, though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. This is what I was just saying. For, because, I know whence I came. I know where I came from, is what he said. And, and I know where I'm going, whither I go. But you cannot tell wh uh, whence, I can't, whence I come or where I came from or whether I go. Or whether I go. Or actually, the word is whither. Uh, uh, you don't know where I'm going. You don't know where I'm coming from or where I came from. You judge after the judgment of the flesh. I judge no man and yet if i judge my judgment is true for i am not alone but i am the father that sent me it's also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true i am come to that i am come i'm sorry i am one that bear witness of myself and the Father that sent me bears witness of me. There's your two men if you want them. Then the Pharisees asked Jesus, Where's thy father? Now, what was that? What was that little smart aleck, snarky little remark? Well, this was that he didn't have a father. Um, and the... The connotation here, and you'll find it in other places, is, is that Jesus grew up under the, the idea that uh, he was, um, and well, we use the term illegitimate, they didn't. Um, uh, in, in reality, uh, uh, we're, we're just kind of uh, priggish and, uh, and kind of... Uh, uh, snooty about some things that they weren't so snooty about. Uh, for example, in our country, if if a guy and his uh, and his wife weren't married when she had the baby, that this child is what you know is is that the word bastard that um, that kind of scars this child for life. When in reality, in Jewish thought, that wasn't the case at all. Um, as a matter of fact, if their parents were responsible in that they would be parents to this child, 
and and be married, um, this was this was not a problem. It is in our society because you know a lot of our ideas and the way we run our church and stuff all come from women that have different ideas than men do, and um, so uh, you know a, a bastard was in those days. This was a a child born of whoredom, and not not a not a a guy and a girl that made a mistake on prom night. So, you know, that we need we need to kind of we uh, not kinda we need to stop that kind of talk. Um. So he says that uh, I and my father bear witness of myself, and so they throw out, "Where is thy father?" Now at this point, uh, we're kind of thinking that uh, Joseph was dead at this point. I don't know that how how we can know that, but. Um, I'm really wondering if he was or wasn't when this was said, because he said, where is thy father? Um, I think he was saying, who is your father? Uh, they were making reference to the fact that he was born under uh, shady circumstances. Um, and then Jesus answered, he says, you don't know me or my father. <laughs> if he had known... You should have known my, if you'd known me, you'd have known my father also. He's seriously indicting these people at this point. Although Jesus spoke these words in the temple, still no effort was made to arrest him, for his hour had not yet come. Here it is again, that, that the time for these things to, to come about, to come out, for Jesus to do what it was that he was, that he was here to do. Had, it hadn't fallen in place yet. The clock hadn't ticked past this time yet. Here we have Jesus arousing anger by claiming sonship with God. Jesus continued to speak, saying, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. The Jews said among themselves, Will he kill himself? Because he says, whither I go, you cannot come. Jesus said to the Jews, you're from beneath. I'm from above. You're of this world. I'm not of this world. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you will die in your sins. This is one of the most condemning scriptures in, in the Bible. Uh, this is probably one of the most misused, the misunderstood, uh, and one of the most resented uh, by, the, by the Jewish public. Um, anybody who's ever watched Larry King's show, and there's ever been a Christian on that show that made his Christianity public, uh, the question was always asked to him, so uh, if we don't believe in Jesus, uh, Nobody, we're not going to heaven or we're going to hell. I forget how he phrases the question, but you get the gist of it. And so he leaves the Christian to crawl around in him hall and try to crawfish his way through this question because uh, nobody's really got guts enough to look at a Jew and say, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, you have to understand that he sent his son here to redeem us, and if, and if, and if you don't receive him as the Son of God, I don't know why you think uh, Jewishness is going to help you. Uh, you know, well, we do know why a lot of them feel that way. 
they feel like that they are God's chosen people and that uh, that they have some kind of an in or some kind of a, a pardon that's uh, immediately available to them. But you have to understand, they have to understand, it's written in their scriptures, um, that uh, there was a time when God winked at the ignorance of men. But uh, now, he commands all men everywhere to repentance. You have to understand that something drastic happened. The Messiah came to the earth. He was or wasn't what people expected him to be. I don't know. Can't really say. I don't know what they were expecting. But they missed him. They missed him so badly that they caricatured him as a wicked man and ended up murdering the Son of God. This was a huge indictment against, firstly, against the religion of the Jews that even allowed such a thing as that. Uh, but they're notorious for going around the laws and getting the Romans to do their dirty work, or, and in some ca cases getting Christians to do their dirty work. Um, and uh, they, because they really don't feel like Gentiles are, are much different. According to the Talmud, not much different than a pig, a chicken, or a cow. And uh, so, you know, they, they get around their laws and do some very hateful and, and dishonest things that they know within their heart, their heart is condemning them, uh, but they, they feel like that it's okay because it's okay with the law. Pretty much like a, a girl that goes to get an abortion, and you think, how can you do that? And she looks at you and says, well, there's no law against it. It's, it's on that same level where they feel like that if it's not against the law, that it's okay. And, uh, and I'm afraid that that's, a, that's a, uh, originated with Jewish thought, or probably with thought of mankind in general. But here you have um, them uh, justifying what they do by the law, and... Um, so, and because they, they live that way, they feel like that they're getting to know the Father. They have the same problem that we have as Christians. The Jews, the Christians, the Muslims, all three claim to be and have been called over years, over centuries, in some cases millennia, the people of the book. Now that is something that, that is said a lot. And in the, in, in the day we live in, in Christianity, in the world of Christianity, when you're dealing with word of faith movements, you hear them say it and, and even brag on, you know, we, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I believe, and I believe what the Bible says. All right, you know, that's all goosebumpy and everything, but the truth is we're not people of a book. God is not a book, not in any way, Shape or form is he of a book. If he's not of a book, then he's not of the print. If he's not of print, he's not of ink, and he's not of paper. Nobody, nobody believes those things, but they believe that in many cases people feel like the Bible is God. These people had a relationship with the Torah, therefore they felt like they had a relationship with God. Jesus said if you had a relationship with God, you'd know who I am. You would understand the witness that I live under, that the Father witnesses that I am the Son of God. I witness that I'm the Son of God. There's your two witnesses. 
go off and deal with that. You know, the idea of the Bible being the Word of God, it's just, it's just one of those um, metaphors that breaks down so fast that it's hardly even worth holding on to. I've asked people, so you believe that, uh, that this printed book is the Word of God? Yes. What if it was black ink printed on black paper? Would that still be the Word of God? Well, are you wondering about that? These pages are all black. You can't see a word on it. But I assure you, it's been printed. But it's been printed with black ink. Very, very difficult to read. I ask you, uh, a King James Bible, black ink printed on black paper, is it still the Word of God? You see, it's not denigrating, it's not despising or rejecting the Bible for what it is. It is setting aside, calling the Bible something that it doesn't call itself. And removing a title that belongs to Jesus Christ, a, uh, an, adjecti an adjective phrase that means to hear the Word of God within our own selves, and we apply all those things to the Bible. And I'm just afraid you're going to be disappointed. Well, I mean, you ought to be disappointed. If, I mean, you've got 30,000 denominations to go through before you find 30 or 40, I understand. Uh, and 4,000 major denominations. You've got that many to go through to find the truth because every one of them say they're based on the words in this book. Is it a word if it's black ink on black paper? All right, I'll, I'll let you think about that tonight when you're going to sleep. <laughs> now, um, Jesus says, you don't know me or my father. And if you had known me, you would have known my father also. Although Jesus spoke these words in the temple, still no effort was made uh, to arrest him, for his hour was not yet come. Then we moved into a Jesus um, claiming sonship. When Jesus said, I'm going to go my way, he was saying that he was going to go back to the Father. And the Jews were thinking, what do you mean we can't follow him? Does that mean he's going to try to kill himself? And Jesus was trying to say, look, you, you don't understand what I'm saying because you're from beneath and I'm from above. Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning uh, was his answer to their question, who are you? And Jesus' answer was, I've told you from the beginning who I was. What is your problem? Why is it you don't understand? Well, I'll tell you why they don't understand. Their God's a book. Their souls are empty. And in some cases, even their heads are empty. Friend, we don't need to find ourselves in this condition. Is time gone already? My goodness. That's all we've got time for today. But uh, we'll take it up here next time. Hey, tell me who you are and where you're listening. If you will, I'd love to get an email from you. You can email me at don at thinkredink.com. Got to go for now. We'll see you next time. Till then, Think Red Ink. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com.
join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.